Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. We're Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago to protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Or any war, or all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? to find the others. I haven't seen some of them for centuries. Hi. Hello. This is what the end of the world looks like. At least we have front row seats. You know what's never saved the planet? Your sarcasm. We've loved these people since the day we arrived. When you love something, you protect it. episode of palace off the top rope thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen and i'm a couple of weeks behind but i'm getting caught up on my movies uh it's been uh it's been a busy couple of weeks with eternals doing well it's box office 71 million opening weekend uh as i'm recording this right now it is now grossed i believe over 120 million so that's that's pretty good but also like insiders and experts are like this is like kind of on the low end level of what was expected out of this movie considering it's only a theater exclusive movie this is not on disney plus yet but it will be in about 45 days from from the release date so uh we'll see how that gets affected and plus the reception and all that stuff has been mixed and you know clifford the big red dog opened this past weekend and it actually overperformed and that movie is available on paramount plus to watch at no additional cost 
you know, you pay nine ninety nine, I think, for Paramount Plus, and, and you can watch that movie for free. You don't have to do an upcharge the way Disney does it with with their um, you know premium screening at home. Uh, so we're gonna see what kind of legs Eternals. I mean, it, it's got a big hurdle ahead of it. Again, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out, including Ghostbusters Afterlife, which premieres this Friday in in movie theaters. Another exclusive. So it's got a lot of hurdles, right? Like Shang-Chi was able to make all the money that it was able to do because there was nothing around it, you know? Like everybody had already seen, you know, the summer movies, the Black Widows, the Free Guys. Like those had already run out of steam. So Shang-Chi basically had everything to itself for like a whole month. So, yes, there was a lot of repeat viewings and, and all that stuff. And then eventually Venom took over. And, and, and ever since October, it's been like, I to me again it was always I knew it was always going to be busier in the fall than in the summer there was just a stronger slate of movies so again Eternals is going to have a lot of hurdles if it wants to make uh, a big chunk of money like I don't see this movie grossing 200 million and if it does it'll barely come close to it so um yeah but we're actually going to start uh this show and I've never opened up a podcast with a movie review because this is actually going to be a a, a show main evented by by wrestling analysis and predictions. So I will be talking about WWE's Survivor Series pay per view, which is on Sunday, and it's been such a lackluster build minus one match that has actually got me very interested. But other than that, it's just been such a nothing build and. AEW, who just put on their pay-per-view this past uh, weekend, uh, I was trying to do a prediction show for that, but timing was horrible and wasn't able to get it out in time. But I'll talk about that also uh, before I get to the Survivor Series and the main event. But yeah, going to open up this show with my review of Marvel's Eternals, the latest chapter from the MCU. And um, for me, you know, Marvel's been kind of like eh, ever since Endgame that kind of felt like the end of an era for me in terms of the stuff that I'm interested in is there still stuff down the horizon that I'm looking forward to like you know Thor Love and Thunder I, I'm looking forward to that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 you know everybody coming back this is probably the last one with with the whole main cast Sylvester Stallone announced that he's going to be returning as his character that popped up in part two in a brief appearance. So that gets me more hyped for that. And speaking of Stallone, I did check out Rocky for Rocky versus Drago, the ultimate director's cut, which I'm going to be talking about with Daniel Tucker at length in a future episode to come. So be on the lookout for that cheap plug, but whatever had to throw it in. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to those down the road what's going to become of the Black Panther sequel now that Chadwick Boseman has passed away? Like, what's that movie going to look like? Like, there's some stuff that I'm pretty interested in Marvel, the Hawkeye TV series, um, and, and I'll get to that in just a bit. So they released, you know, since then, since Endgame, you know, Far, Spider-Man Far From Home was kind of like a little palate cleanser to end that era. So now we're completely, like, in in phase, what is it, four or five, whatever it is, whatever. Let's just say the whole new era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Black Widow was such a letdown, such a nothing for me. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, while I enjoyed it, like I haven't thought about it since. 
I saw it, and I talked about this with Tyler Bishop, who finally got to see the movie, and he asked me about it. Like, uh, he said, "Did you like it?" And I said, "Yeah, I mean, I remember enjoying it when I sat through it, but I haven't thought about it since." And usually that that hasn't been the case with with the Marvel films, and maybe they've just passed me by, and they've, you know, they're going in a whole new direction now, and they're kind of losing me. Maybe I'm like Grandpa Palace now, like just grumpy and just. I don't have time for any of that nonsense anymore. Like I can tune in here and there, but uh, yeah, I haven't thought about Shang Chi since I saw it. And I mentioned when during my watch of that movie, I fell asleep during uh, about ten minutes of that movie, and then I didn't lose a beat. That's another thing that these movies are becoming so much longer than they need to be, and that takes us to Eternals. So got to sit down and and watch that. Went in with very, very low expectations. The trailers and the marketing did absolutely nothing for me. The cast, I mean, I know who people are in this movie. Like Brian Tyree Henry's probably like my favorite casting. I love him so much in Atlanta. Um, I think he's so good. Um, you know, Angelina Jolie's in this movie. But after I saw her in this, it's like she was just there. Like, they could have casted anybody in this role, and they wouldn't have lost a beat. Like, they didn't make her character pop at all. This is Angelina Jolie, probably the biggest star in in this entire picture, and they made her out to be, like, a nothing. And not that I'm, like, the biggest fan of Angelina Jolie or anything like that, but I know that she's a star, you know. You've seen her headline other stuff before, you know. Heck, she made Maleficent a huge hit for Disney, so... You know, she's got that star power. And here she's just kind of like in the background and just there. And uh, I mean, it could have been anybody and it wouldn't have mattered. So I think that was a cheap ploy by by the MCU to get her, maybe to attract some viewers. But that didn't work for me. Um, I thought the movie, again, was it was too long. This is probably the longest MCU movie since, you know, Endgame, although not as long, but <laughs> nearing it. I think it's about two hours and. 30 minutes, two hours and 39 minutes around that mark, like for a movie like this, and it tries to give you a lot of exposition and explanation, but they do a poor, poor job of that. Cause after I came out of it, I was like, well, what are like the Eternals, like their powers are just what they're invincible. They can, they shoot stuff out of their hands. Like there, there was nothing exciting about it. Like, and everybody always like is quick to, to praise this stuff, like if you look at the the advanced critics who see the movie, and they're talking about how oh this is unlike anything you've ever seen before. I'm like really like I've seen people shoot powers out of their arms or whatever it is that they're they're doing, and even the villains and the the little creatures that are in this movie. It's like we, we've seen plenty of this stuff in the MCU, and it's all just fluff. It doesn't mean anything, and also stuff in this movie didn't make sense. So obviously the Eternals are like the beginning of everything, right? They, they've been around since the beginning of time and they were created to be protectors of the earth and all that stuff. But it's like all this situation with Thanos happened and the snapping of half the universe and all that stuff. And spoilers, this movie's been out for a couple of weeks. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to, you don't really want to see it. So if I spoil it here, I'm, I apologize, but this is just to make my point. Um, So it's like if the Eternals are all these, like, you know, great defenders of the earth and all that like where were they during the the infinity war going on and then you find out like they give a cheap 
answer. They're like, oh, we were told not to interfere unless those little creatures that we're dealing with were involved. But then you find out later in the movie, it's like, no, their main purpose was to actually make sure the human race survived so that way this emergence could happen on on the planet earth with this giant like iron giant robot that was gonna take over and then just destroy everything so if thanos don't you think thanos destroying like half the population is in fact call the eternals to save and and get involved to make sure the population goes on i don't know that that didn't make sense to me i'm sure the comic book nerds will be like eh, you know they'll get all marky about it and, and get all defensive but you know, I I came away confused. I came away not excited at all. Like I will probably never return to this movie, um, even as like you know whatever this culminates into, whether it's another Avengers movie or a, a just another team event movie. This is a movie I feel like I don't need to return to. Like I got nothing out of it. Um, some things I did like, like I said, Brian Terry Henry is fine in it. Like I think he could do better stuff outside the MCU. Um, the one who was the big star out of this was probably, uh, Gemma Chan, who plays, uh, the character Cersei. She's great. Um, you know, I, I was interested in her character. You know, she had kind of some depth to her. Um, uh, but everybody else was just like, bleh to me. Like, I love Salma Hayek, but again, she's just there also. Um, Richard Madden, I, I think has no charisma. I, I think he's from what, Game of Thrones or, or, what is it? I don't know. One of the pop, most popular Netflix shows that, that was out there, but I don't really watch a lot of stuff on Netflix. So I really was unfamiliar with him and he didn't bring a lot to it. Didn't bring a lot of pop. There's a twist in the third act of this movie. And then by the time like everything goes down, it was like, who cares? Like, and I don't know, maybe again, maybe the, the Marvel stuff is just passing me by. Like, I mean, I, I know the, the typical people that I talk to that are fans of all this stuff are like, oh, it was so amazing. And I was like, dude, like, I, I, I wish, like, I could get into it, but I just don't see it. And, and I, and I've said this in the past that what's lacking for this next phase of Marvel is who's going to be the giant star to carry this thing. Like, in the first era, you had Robert Downey Jr., you know, the, with the emergence of Iron Man, like, he, you know, spearheaded that. Like, he was the leader, and that's something you could look forward to, and everything else, you know, is a supporting piece and falls into place, and you can go along for the ride. Who's who's the next star for me to attach to to go into this? Like, Shang-Chi was a lot of unknowns. You know, Black Widow, you know, that's Scarlett Johansson. Like, she's notable, but that was like a kind of a prequel thing before the, the Infinity stuff happened. And with all the stuff that happened with her and Disney this past year with the pay discrepancy and all that stuff, I don't see her returning at all. Like they left things on a bad note. So, you know, there's, she can't be lead the way guardians is coming to an end. I believe Thor, I don't know how much longer Chris Hemsworth is going to do this, but Chris Hemsworth, I think works better as a supporting piece in terms of the Avengers. Like, I don't like it be headlined by him. I I like him, but, you know, and I love Thor Ragnarok, but there was also a lot of other pieces around it. And Taika Watiti, who made that movie pop more than, than it should have. Like, who's the big star that I'm going to attach to? You know, if they, I don't think this would happen, but if, if the MCU could grab Leonardo DiCaprio for something, I would be in. Um, 
I didn't read something completely, but I saw that. I don't know if this is true or not, and I don't, unless it's from uh, an actual trade publication or like a really reliable, trusted source. Um, I, I don't trust it, but I did see a headline somewhere saying that Tom Cruise is being eyed for something in the MCU. If that's the case, then okay, you got my full attention. Um, but right now, there's nobody, you know, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel is eh, you know. Spider-Man is looking like it's going to tip over towards Sony again and into the Venomverse, which I'm actually a little bit more excited for that as opposed to Spider-Man continuing here in the MCU. Um, who knows what's going to happen? But just nothing nothing has been exciting about the MCU. The TV shows that they debuted this year you know, WandaVision was fine for a little bit until it got into the MCU stuff. And then I was just like, eh, it, it got sour real quick. The Falcon and Winter Soldier, that could have been a movie. But again, like, I, I like Anthony Mackie. I like Sebastian Stan. But, I mean, is that enough to get me to give a shit about what's going on with their characters moving forward? Not really. Loki was interesting and very good. Um, that has potential as a series, right, to continue on. Like Falcon and Winter Soldier, I don't see that continuing as a series. Obviously, they announced Captain America 4 or whatever with with uh, Anthony Mackie in the role. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, Loki can do a lot of different things and uh, and venture into stuff and, and get more character-driven. I'm into that as a series. Like Loki back into the movies or whatever, uh, it would have to be in a supporting role. But Loki as a series, like, that works. The stuff with Owen Wilson was incredible, and I like that. It's probably been the best one. The What If stuff, it's a cartoon, and eh, I couldn't get into it at all. I liked the first episode, but never never cared to follow up with it, and it probably, you know, I don't have time for it, so that's whatever. Hawkeye looks to be a bit of, like, okay, I've sat through Shang-Chi, Black Widow, and now Eternals, and they've all been meh. I'm like, you know what? Give me a familiar face. Give me Jeremy Renner to end the year. And it's a, it looks like a fun little Christmas special. This looks like, again, like like Falcon and Winter Soldier where I don't know if it's going to be a series with multiple seasons or if it's just like a, a six episode off where it could be like it's just a, a movie stretched out into six episodes. Like, cool. Give me that. Like, I need that familiarity and something like heart, lighthearted, which was one of the I think negative things about Eternals was that it was, I thought it was too serious. Like even the parts where they try to throw in one liners that just felt like forced by the studio and maybe Kevin Feige, like, Hey, lighten this thing up a little bit. It's directed by Chloe Zano who did Nomadland. She just wanted the best picture for that. She she went from like super serious movie to this. It's blockbuster. It's comic booky. I don't know. And I put this on Facebook. Eternals was just, so not fun. There was nothing fun about this movie. There was nothing exciting about it. Uh, just like Shang-Chi, I fell asleep. Although in this movie, I fell asleep in a 10-minute action sequence, I believe. And then I woke up, and it's like I didn't miss anything. And plus, the color palette of the movie was so bland. Usually, these movies, these Marvel movies, pop. Like, I'll give Shang-Chi that. It was at least colorful and stuff like that. And, you know, and most of the MCU movies are. You know, Black Panther and Guardians and Ant-Man. Like, they're very colorful. They pop. If you watch Eternals, notice how, like, yes, it's trying to be different, but also, like, not in a fun way for a for a franchise like this. I don't know. It just, it didn't work for me. 
It just did not work for me at all. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Give me Hawkeye. Like, l- let me end the MCU in 2021 on a high note. And maybe that's why they saved it for the end of the year. Maybe it is more of a palate cleanser. It's just a fun little adventure story. And Jeremy Renner can be, like, a little meta. That's kind of, like, part of the fun of the MCU. Sometimes they do it too much, but... Right now, I can use a dose of that after Eternals and it just being so so bland and such a nothing. Um, and again, maybe I'm being too harsh. You can call me a hater. Robert's not being a hater, as my buddy Steven always tells me. Like, I'm just giving you my honest takes. Like, I don't hate everything MCU. Like, I love a chunk of this stuff. I own a majority of the... I mean, I own all the Avengers movies on 4K. I'm even rebuying some of them that are coming out with exclusive steelbook cover arts like i'm i like these movies i like the captain americas the iron mans the guardians ant-man even get back to that like i don't know and but again that's what's going to be missing out of these movies going forward is that you have stars in those movies paul rudd is ant-man you know you got chris pratt batista bradley cooper voicing vin diesel voicing uh you know zoe zaldana the guardians like you all know who those people are like, I came out of Eternals as, like, who's a star in that movie? Like, Gemma Chan? Like, she was good in it, but is she a superstar? I don't see it. I could be wrong. You know, I mean, again, it was the first movie and they were introduced in, but it didn't pop. You know, Iron Man comes out in the first movie. Downey Jr. pops. He's a superstar. Charisma. Chris Evans pops up in Captain America, even though he'd been around already. But pops. Charisma. Superstar. Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. Pops. Superstar. I just, I, I don't see it with this era of the MCU. And I think folks are going to be excited to, like, don't be surprised. Like, Spider-Man No Way Home is coming out, or No Way Out, as I like to call it. It's coming out in December. And that looks more like, hey, this is the MCU we like. This is what we like. So this movie is going to make a shit ton of money. Like, like this will probably be the biggest movie probably since Endgame in terms of box office. I don't know how much it's going to make. Like, we have to really temper our expectations because of the pandemic and everything that's happened. Like, you look at the top 10 movies grossing high this year. The highest one is Shang-Chi, and it's barely, like, above 200 million. Like, I think right now, gone are the days of, like, 700, 800 million dollars. Like, that was the last time. Like, 2019 was the last time we saw, like, uh, just numbers like that. So... It, it's going to be interesting to see, but it, it will be a welcome. Like Spider-Man is going to be coming at the perfect time because it was like, ah, oh, Eternal was, uh, Shang-Chi was fun, but we're not all, like, we, we haven't really talked about it since. So I think Spider-Man's going to bring that juice back, and then that's going to lead us right into Doctor Strange following that. That'll be wacky and weird, even though I still haven't seen the first Doctor Strange movie. As, as weird as that goes. But the, again, I haven't lost a beat. Like, I know what the Doctor Strange character is and what he does. Like, and that's without having seen the movie. And the marks are going to come up to me. How dare you not see Doctor Strange? You need this. Nah, and I can follow through. It's not that hard. It wasn't that hard to follow what that character was and what he did in the movies that wasn't his solo one. But Eternals, like, there was so much backstory. And then I still don't understand what they are and what the purpose is and... Are there stakes? The multiverse is coming. Like, does anything matter anymore? 
Or is it just what's next? What's the next episode? Is it so episodic now that it's like nothing matters anymore? They're not, they're, they're never going to kill Spider-Man, right? There's just, it's all about content now, right? It's all about putting just stuff out there. Like I think if the MCU had its way and if Disney, let's say, had their hands on the MCU earlier and whatever Kevin Feige's plan was, I'm sure if he told them like, if they redid it and Kevin Feige's like, yeah, we're going to kill off Iron Man in Endgame. They'd be like, no, you're not. <laughs> Find a way, either paralyze him, whatever, but he's going to stay a part of this because we need to continue making content because that's what it's all about now. It's not about completing the story. It's about what's next and what's next and what's next. You know, So I appreciate these filmmakers who do movies and they have a beginning, middle, and end. So, like, you know, they've done so many iterations of Batman, but why do I love the Chris Nolan movies? I mean, for one, they're, like, fantastic films. But it had a beginning, middle, and end for that for that part of, of Batman. Like, there was an end to that story. And there hasn't been anything since regarding that world. Like, I love that. I hope it never gets tampered with because I love that. I love when stories have, have an ending. Like, not everything goes on forever and ever and ever, but... You know, that's that's where we're headed and that's what we're teaching the audience. So, like, now when a character dies in the movie, you're like, well, are they really dead? Because they just, they'll find a way to bring them back. And that was part of the reasons why I stopped watching, like, The Flash and Arrow on, on CW. Like, I caught the end of Arrow before it's, you know, all the way to its final episode. But that was towards the end. But, you know, they would kill off characters and then bring them back. And it was just like, what was the whole point of me getting invested and then seeing these tragic things happen to these characters only for them to appear like a season or two later in a different version of themselves, but kind of wink, wink, just a way to bring them back. Like if this is just going to be this whole thing with, we're headed with the multiverse. If somehow Robert Downey Jr. Returns in some form in as Iron Man or a version of him or whatever, I'm going to be extremely disappointed and be like that whole buildup, that whole 10 year run of movies that you did and you changing the landscape and connecting all these worlds into one universe is all going to be for nothing in my eyes. Now for the comic book fans out there, Oh, this is just how they do like this in the comics. Yeah. That's the comics. Comics are never ending. You can continue to make issue after issue after issue movies. Like there's, there's a beginning, a middle and an end. Like there's stories that are presented and, and, and they finish, Right. Like, look at all the great movies, like, the franchises. Like, Godfather went for three movies, but it ended. <laughs> Nobody's touched it since. Like, it, it, that story concluded. Now, if they made The Godfather today, it'd be just never-ending, right? It'd be like the it'd be like the Sopranos, right? But it would just continuously keep going. The Sopranos ended. You know, I just finished that not too long ago. And they haven't done anything since. I mean, they did the prequel movie, but that was before, right? Nothing... Nothing post that final cut to black shot of Tony Soprano in that diner. Stuff, I love it when stuff ends. Like, nothing lasts forever. And they even said that in The Avengers, Age of Ultron. is one of my favorite lines in the movie. Nothing lasts forever. But the way they're doing things, I don't know. It may not just be for me. Eternals, to sum it up. Eternals is like, if you take a vacation somewhere to a place you've never gone, but you didn't like it. And you're like, oh, man, I, I fine. We visited here, like whatever, but I don't want to come back here. Like 
I'm cool with going to Universal Studios in Florida or Disneyland in LA, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, let me visit those places. Let me visit the Guardians. Let me visit uh, Black Panther. Let me visit Thor. Like, I'm familiar with that. Like, I don't need to go on every trip now. And I know I do this podcast and, and it's to provide content. See, my show's episodic. That's got to keep going. So I may just some, watch some of these movies out of default. I think I watched Eternals out of default. There was nothing about that movie that was exciting for me. It just wasn't. And I went in with low expectations and still was disappointed. Like, usually when that happens for me, when I lower my expectations, like I usually come out of it being, ah, that wasn't bad. But when I do that and I come out and I still didn't like it, like that, to me, that's, it's a bad movie. But again, it's just my opinion. If you liked it, great for you. My opinion on it should never deter you from how you feel about it. That just means you're not confident in the things you like. And I say that a lot and people scoff and laugh at me, but it's true. Like to me, I think, and I I always give this comparison. To me, I think The Dark Knight is the greatest comic book movie ever made. If you were to tell me otherwise and be like, no, it's not or whatever, that doesn't affect how I feel about it. That's the way I feel. And you can't change that. Like nothing will ever change that. Nobody's opinion ever sways me. But I find that how my opinion affects how other people feel about the things they like. And it shouldn't be like that. That just That's weird to me. You're weird. You're just not confident. Palace, let people enjoy the things that they like. Cool, enjoy the things you like. Who cares if I give a negative outlook on it? Like, that's my opinion. How I feel about the movie should not affect how you feel. So when people say that, enjoy, let people enjoy the things they like. Cool, enjoy the things you like. Whatever. But those people are super funny to me. And you all will never get at me if I like something. If I like something, I like something. You hating it or whatever will never change my opinion. Will never be swayed by that. The day I do that, call my ass out. You're a fraud. Like your, your feelings or your opinions are irrelevant. And that's just, that's just, I believe that to my core. But yeah, Eternals has been out a couple weeks. I work in a movie theater, of course, and it's just fizzled out, like, already. And Clifford the Big Red Dog overperformed, did well for us. Families came out. It was great. We got Ghostbusters Afterlife, another theater exclusive. That's going to do big business. Um, what do I think it's going to open at? I don't know. You know, 50 is a safe bet, but it could be higher. This is going to play through the uh, through Thanksgiving. And then Ghostbusters is not going to have a lot of life to breathe, especially Eternals also, because you got Encanto coming out during the middle of the week. Disney, you know, a Latino-based story animated movie. We all remember how Coco did. Like, that did really well. So I'm kind of looking at that, too. That's going to be huge business. Um, for me, I think the next review you're going to get out of me, it'll probably be Ghostbusters, but not, not too far after that. I may do a double review. House of Gucci. With Lady Gaga and Adam Driver and Al Pacino and Jeremy Irons and Jared Leto and director Ridley Scott. Here we go again. Another Oscar contending movie. You know, I just talked about The Last Duel not too long ago. So that's on the horizon. So Eternals, as far as like it being in the conversation of, you know, importance. I don't know, Marvel. Get yourself a big star. If that little headline I saw about Tom Cruise is anything like that, that, that caught my eye right away. 
So I don't know if there's anything to that. I don't know what the source was. I didn't check it. Again, I didn't read the article either. I just saw the headline and I was like, huh, okay. But if you don't get a big star, like Spider-Man is is big because of the character, not because it's Tom Holland. Batman's big because of the character, not because of who's playing them. For how much I love the Dark Knight trilogy, like Christian Bale elevated it because he's a greater actor, but you don't go see the Dark Knight movies because of Christian Bale. You go because it's Batman. Um, so that's uh, Spider-Man's an outlier. Okay, like that's going to do huge business, but it's because it's Spider-Man. Spider-Man's been around forever, and it's actually the one that got everything started in terms of like huge box office, like in just insane numbers. Like remember when the first Spider-Man came out in two thousand two, like a hundred million. Like nobody had ever sniffed that. For opening weekend, like for me, I was the highest I'd ever seen was like seventy million or something like that, and I was, even that to me was like wow. But then when Spider Man opened to like a hundred plus million opening weekend in two thousand two, I was like, holy shit, this is the biggest movie ever, and it was Spider Man. So, you know, there there's outliers, there's exceptions to the rules, but I think the MCU is going to need a huge star to anchor this thing going forward. And diversity is great, you know. Getting talent that's never been used before is great, but when it comes to movies, when it comes to you know popping in the in the in the pop culture bubble, having longevity, you need movie stars. You need big people to show up. So if I'm Kevin Feige, I'm trying to re-sign Chris Hemsworth to a long-term deal. I don't know how much left he's got. The Guardians actors, like I know Batista, I think he's on his way out. But I would try to re-sign Chris Pratt. Everybody wants to shit on Chris Pratt, but I like him. He's he's funny. He's great. You know, everybody hates on him. I don't get it. Um, you want to try to re-sign all those people because um, you're going to need a giant star to lead this thing forward. If not, it's just going to be it's the what's next. Who cares? But people are going to still go see it. It's still the standard. I get all that. But are we going to see numbers like Endgame again if it's not an outlier like Spider-Man? Like, do you see Eternals 2 doing like, you know, Captain or Iron Iron Man 2 or Iron Man 3 money? I don't, I don't know. You know, if you have a huge star, like if you, if, like for example, and I, I know I'm going on this huge long rant here and, and we'll get to WWE Survivor Series in a bit, but let's say you do Eternals 2, right? You bring back that whole cast. But it's announced that the major villain in this movie is going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, tell me that doesn't change things automatically. It does for me. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, what does DiCaprio see here in this story and in this world that that has a star like him attracted to it? Like, that has my curiosity. It may just be for that movie, but if he's around for multiple contracted movies to appear in different stuff, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to that anchor. I'm gonna go on for the ride. But see, there's the hook for me. A movie star. A giant movie star. You know, do I want to follow Brian Tyree Henry for... I mean, I love him, but do I want to follow him around? Was his character interesting enough? Is he big enough? Nah. The guy who plays Shang-Chi was great too, but do I want to follow him around for every little thing? Eh. You know, gotta, gotta hook me, guys. I mean, Kevin Feige, land me somebody huge. Land me Tom Cruise in the MCU and you got my full attention. Just saying. But anyways, I've got enough on Eternals and all of that and what's to come with the MCU and where it's going. 
Let's take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk professional wrestling, folks. Well, professional wrestling a little bit, and then sports entertainment with WWE Survivor Series coming up this Sunday live on Peacock. You can stream that for $4.99 and watch that event. So uh, we're in different times now when it comes to watching wrestling events. AEW still doing it old school style, but uh, WWE, it's pretty accessible and pretty pretty cheap, so... Long gone are the days of like $70 on HD pay-per-view. Like those days are gone. Like the day I tell my daughters, hey, I used to pay like $70. Well, not me. I would have my dad or my mom pay the cable bill. Used to pay $70 for pay-per-views to watch. And they're going to be like, huh? You paid how much to watch this? And then they're going to laugh and they're going to make fun. But yeah, let's take a break. We'll come back. Survivor Series predictions. And I'll run down the card. Stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. They say everything's bigger here. And not to mess with us. Because this place runs deep in our hearts. Here's the bottom line. This is where the jaws will drop. The feet will stomp, the crowds will roar, and the superstars will soar. When the roofs are blown off, asses get handed, and moments are made in the only way we know how. What? WrestleMania calls, and Dallas says, oh, hell yeah. It's gonna be madness. It's gonna be madness. It's gonna be madness. Welcome back to the show, and WrestleMania 38, emanating from Dallas, Texas at AT&T Stadium. It's going to be a two-night event. It's in Texas, my home state. And this is the least excited I've ever been about a WrestleMania coming to Texas. And I know I've been to a WrestleMania already, but there's always the stigma of wanting to go to WrestleMania. And they have Stone Cold there in the, in the, in the marketing and all that stuff, hyping it up. And it's the least excited I've ever been. And that just goes to show you the state of WWE right now. Like, do I still watch? Yes. But I don't watch it in the same way that I watch AEW where I watch with, oh my God, it's Wednesday. I can't, I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen on this show. The wrestling's incredible. The storytelling's amazing. Um, I'm not getting that from WWE. I get little spurts here and there, and I'll talk about that a little bit with Survivor Series, but WrestleMania is going to be in Texas, two night event. Like I should be wanting to buy tickets to this. Eli, my buddy, lives over there in that area. Like it's an easy sell for, to go hang, I mean, hanging out with him would be amazing either way, but this is an easy sell for us to go as wrestling fans, and we're not even excited about that. We're talking about going to see AEW's Double or Nothing, which is going to be in Las Vegas, and that's, I think, in May. It, you know, hopefully everything continues to trend the right way with, you know, the pandemic stuff, like, not fully ending, but, you know, where people can go out and travel to Vegas and have full fans and all that stuff. Um, we're more excited to, to want to do that instead. And that's just the state of where wrestling's at right now. Like 
the scale has completely tipped over to the other side. It, WWE used to be, uh, for, I mean, I, I grew up during the Attitude Era, so I knew what it was like to have, like, an alternative with WCW. But back then, like, I was more loyal to, to WWE or WWF at the time. You know, they had the, the bigger stars, Stone Cold, The Rock, you know, DX, all that stuff. And WCW, like, I liked it. I would tune in, and I even went to a Nitro uh, my dad took me when I was a younger kid, and you know I enjoyed that Goldberg and Sting and the NWO and all that stuff. But I, I was always a WWF or now WWE guy. And AEW has emerged, right? Like they they debuted. It's what been two three years already that they've been in existence, and their television show started. And it's like, what are they going to do? Like I know who the wrestlers are, but can they put together a product? An interesting like. Thing that you you're gonna want to watch week after week because it's hard to put on television. We see that with Monday Night Raw every week, and that's three hours. Like, but even then, putting on a weekly episodic show that basically has no breaks. Like, this is like a soap opera. It, it just continues. It goes. It goes. It goes. It goes. There's never any standstill. So I'm like, are they gonna be able to pull off an interesting thing that's gonna keep me enticed for you know? Just for a long stretch where it's got my my full on attention, and uh, for a while it was bumpy with AEW. Like I mean, but again, they were a startup. I'm not gonna like judge them harshly. There's critics online and wrestling bloggers that are just like chomping at the bit at anything that AEW messes up on. And it's like we're what two three years in, and they're still kind of like in their infancy stage, and they haven't figured out already. Like Tony Khan, like is such an MVP for the state of wrestling. You know, you have all the great wrestlers that are in AEW, but he, like, if he doesn't pull in the money to get this done, like, we're stuck with whatever we're seeing in WWE. And that is such a stale product, like, top to bottom. Like, there, yes, there's some bright spots. There's some wrestlers that can overcome it. But even then, they're in a bad world. You know what I mean? It's like Batman being stuck in the... In the Joss Whedon Justice League. Like, I know Ben Affleck's Batman is good. But him in that world is like, he was awful. Like, that that's the best comparison I can make out of this. Because we saw what Zack Snyder did with it when it's in better hands and better, you know, creative that cares about the characters in that world. Like, how much better that performance was. So, I, I don't know. That's, that's the best comparison I can make out of this. But sticking with AEW, like, holy shit. Like. I'm telling you, I watched their show last night, and this was following their pay-per-view, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the pod. I really wanted to do a prediction show for for Full Gear, their pay-per-view event, but I just the time passed me by, and uh, I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't even able to see the event either. So, And even then, that event has passed, and I'm still like, I'm like kind of like, you know, just scratching my head thinking like, well, should I buy the replay? Like, I want to see it still. Like, that's how good they've been like with wwe like you'll miss a pay-per-view like these days and it's like eh, whatever moved on probably didn't mean anything and usually for the most part it doesn't mean anything but i will be buying full gear on dvd whenever they sell it because i want to see that event eventually because they've just been putting on tremendous shows i'm invested in all their characters and their storylines so yes i want to see how it culminates at a pay-per-view event um but this show that they did yesterday like top to bottom like everything is fucking interesting there's something going on you like you you blink if you blink you'll miss something and it's it's stuff that matters in wwe there's a lot of fluff like because they have to do three hour shows and 
you know, they do their SmackDown show on Friday, their show on Monday, and I know it's got different wrestlers on different shows, but even then, there's like a lot of shit on there that doesn't matter, doesn't, who cares? And then their pay-per-view events, like the one I'm about to cover, and I'm, I'm just doing this because I'm a wrestling fan in general, and, you know, I want them to be good. I don't want it to suck. I'm not one of these weird fans that's like, that chooses one over the other. But I can be honest in my opinions and say, like, right now, AEW is the absolute best wrestling product out there. And, I mean, and that's not to say that WWE can't be good. Like, if they want to be good, they can be good. But they choose to coast and they choose to want to, you know, turn into something that, you know, Vince, I don't think that they're not. Like, they, they want to be more, they want to compete with Marvel and all that stuff. You know, they say their characters are like Marvel characters, but at least... The MCU, for all its, you know, all the shit I like to give it, at least they have a cohesive storyline and stuff that they're telling, for the most part, right? Like, they they have you invested in these characters and in these storylines. For me, the Infinity Saga, like, that that was all done, like, to perfection, right? I mean, there was bumps along the way, but for the most part, they achieved, like, the impossible. Um... But at least they're, they're, they're doing, they're trying, they're investing. WWE, like, is off and on. Like, they can put on something really good and juicy and, like, has your attention. And then the next week they follow it up and, and, and they do, like, they just wet the bed with it. And they just, I don't know, they just, they push who they want to push. They drop stuff at the drop, I mean, they just eliminate stuff at the drop of a hat. And it's just totally opposite from what AEW is doing. And AEW is not an overproduced show. Like, WWE has become so overproduced with the entrances. Like, you look at everybody's entrances. They got, like, a huge graphic attached to it. Like, uh, I kind of like the simplicity of AEW where it's the characters driving the stories. It's not the production value. Although, like, although at some point I think AEW does need to up their production value, but that'll come in time. Again, they're still in the infancy stage, but two, three years in, and they've got this thing figured out, and they landed CM Punk. They got him to return after seven years. They got Brian Danielson, who just left WWE. That's one of the best guys that they probably ever had on their roster and underutilized, and now he's on AEW, and right now he's the best wrestler to me in the world. Like, he's doing just next level shit with his wrestling and last night's show that I mentioned that I watched where he was just incredible character work like holy moly AEW is firing on all cylinders I'm enjoying it every week again I look forward to it it's like the days of when I was younger I would look forward to wanting to talk or to watch Raw on Monday night and then talk about it the next day with my friends that's how AEW has become only now we have social media so I can put out all my thoughts about it immediately right after on there so that's kind of like that's my water cooler talk for these days but that's what that television show or that product has become every show is like must watch even the second show that they introduced and it's only an hour and i'm like i want to tune in because that stuff is going to happen on that show that's going to matter it's not like you know smackdown for a while before they did like their brand split or, or took it serious like it was just another show that was there for two hours and stuff didn't matter that happened on that show like it wouldn't affect what would happen on Monday Night Raw. Here, there's stuff that they plant sometimes on their Friday show that leads into their Wednesday Dynamite show. And again, I can't give them enough kudos. Are they good at everything? Is there stuff that they flop on and stuff that gets me to be like, oh, why are they doing this? Yes, they're not perfect. But 
I'll give them 95%. They are fucking delivering. For this wrestling fan, they are absolutely delivering on everything that I love about pro wrestling. And either WWE fixes that or, you know, now that there's this alternative, like, wrestlers are just going to keep dropping in droves. They're going to leave when their contracts expire. Like, what is... And they fire people, too, out of nowhere. That's something I haven't really covered on this podcast is WWE continues to fire people and let wrestlers go. And some of them that have you scratching your head, like, why did they let this person? They just, they just started on TV. They just started a storyline. They don't care about that anymore. It's about just putting content and they do the same matches week after week because they don't care. I'm sorry, but they don't care right now. And they just put out whatever, but there's some wrestlers there in that WWE locker room that do care like a Becky Lynch that wants to continue to get better. And you see her, and she's like one of the standouts right now because she looks like she's on a completely different show because she's doing her stuff, and it's good. It's still in a poorly booked world, but she's at least trying to stand out, and I love that about her, and that's why I will continue to be a a fan of hers and continue to follow the product as long as she's on it. You know, same thing with somebody like Sasha Banks, who's a tremendous wrestler, a great character. You know why I love my Finn Balors and... And, and Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, although some of those guys could u- use some mic work and get put into actual good storylines and they can deliver, like I know they're capable of that. But it's just that they're in a poorly booked world where it's just it doesn't matter what the stories is as long as they're giving them matches that don't mean anything because it's week after week and content after content. Like they need, I mean, someone needs to really like. Pay attention to what AEW is doing, and I'm sure they they have people there that have, that are watching what they're doing, and they need to like either be showing this to Vince. I don't know if Vince has watched anything AEW has done. It would really shock me if he hasn't. That he's so far gone, and he thinks he just knows everything. But I'm sure if he has never seen AEW, and I'm sure if he turned on a couple of episodes of Dynamite, he would see some shit and be like, "Holy, what the fuck have we been doing?" Why has nobody shown me this? Who's he? Who? Oh, who hasn't shown me this? God damn it! Who has? What? What is this going on here? Why are they doing this? And why are we not? Why are we not adapting to this? That's me wishful thinking. That's me thinking Vince McMahon's still that competitive person. But you know, this is a man in his seventy plus years. Like I don't know how much he has to be like physically worn out. Right? This, he's been at this forever. Like he never takes vacations or anything like that. So. Maybe he's mentally fried and, you know, for sure physically fried. You know, as you get older, it's just the way your body goes. But, um, man, AEW, top-notch, um, just tr- incredible, incredible television they've been putting on week after week. And, again, it's not like there's only some stuff that's good on Dynamite. Like, I watched that show yesterday, and every segment and backstage segment and every match was awesome. And I haven't gotten that feeling of wrestling in a very long time it may start to surpass like a little because in the attitude era there was at least some stuff that was like eh i can fast forward through this but AEW, if they ever get their if they ever get like a network or get their stuff to get streamed on i can't wait to rewatch a lot of these dynamites because it's such good television like it's rewatchability like there's a lot of rewatchable content on these shows and they're just again they're barely growing and they're mixing in the old with the new and pushing new stars and thinking about the future, but yet utilizing their veterans in the best way possible right now. 
like a CM Punk and Brian Danielson. But these new stars like MJF and Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, you know, they're building they're building new stars as they're, you know, paying homage and respect to the the veterans that have been around. Which is something WWE used to be all about. It used to be all about the young guys and they would beat the veterans and you know, the attitude era was all about Stone Cold and The Rock and them establishing themselves and them getting huge and huge and huge. It wasn't about bringing back old timers to mesh with them, but AEW is doing that mix. AEW is doing what WCW should have done, where WCW was bringing in all these big names like Hogan and Savage and Nash and Hall, Bret Hart even. But they didn't mix it. If they had mixed it well with the young talent back then, like a Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero, you know, those guys, Rey Mysterio, they could have had, they could have been the AEW of its day, but now we're seeing that fully fleshed out and it's incredible. This might be the best wrestling, uh, company in existence and they haven't even been around for five years and the ceiling continues, continues to just grow and they keep shattering the mold. It's incredible, but I can't gush too much about AEW because we've got to talk about Survivor Series, which is this Sunday. It used to be one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year for WWE because you have the, the the whole concept of Survivor Series is fun. I'm um, not anymore, but it used to be. So you would get teams of five, like you would do ten man tag. So teams of five, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be, you know, the good guys versus the bad guys. Sometimes you would get a mix of the two. Sometimes you'd get, you know, even when they started like the brand split and stuff like that. When they you used to do the Raw versus SmackDown stuff, like back like in oh. 0405 or sorry 003 yeah like 03 to like 06 where they did like the raw versus smackdown stuff where like they were, it was really about like who had the better show and it's like cool you got these teams of five like you would have raw led by Shawn michaels and you know teaming up with carlito or whoever you know just some random like you know, they're, they're, they're foes against each other, but they have to team up for the greater good to, to fight for their brand. And then you'd have like, on the other side, you have like Batista and Randy Orton. They're at odds, but they got to be a team. You know, just things like that. Or you, you would have stipulations on the line. Like 2003 has one of my favorite Survivor Series matches ever, where it's Team Stone Cold versus Team Eric Bischoff. And, uh, whoever wins, uh, you know, if Stone Cold's team had won, he would get to, you know, beat anybody on the show whenever he wanted to, even though he was an authority figure, he would get to kick anybody's ass whenever he saw fit. But if Team Eric Bischoff won, then Stone Cold Steve Austin would have to leave as the the co-general manager of Raw. And there was like stakes to that, right? Felt huge. So Stone Cold would assemble a team, and this one was good guys versus bad guys, but he had like Shawn Michaels, the Dudley Boys, Booker T, Rob Van Dam, against Chris Jericho and Christian, and, and, uh, you know, Scott Steiner and I forgot who else was on that team, but just an incredible, it just used to be stakes. It used to be awesome. And nowadays it's like they still do the Raw versus SmackDown thing, but it now it's starting to feel like, uh, you know how the NBA does their all-star game and, and, and the NFL does the Pro Bowl where it's like, yeah, you got everybody under one roof. You got all these superstars under one roof, but there's just like nothing to it. Like they're just matches. They're just games that are played. Maybe the NBA All Star Game can can get interesting at times, but for the most part, it's just eh. They're just there for fun, and there's like no, there's no way to it. There's no stakes. Like I remember watching the NBA All Star Game as a kid, and I was like, oh shit, 
like Jordan and all these guys from the East and then the West, you had like, you know, whoever was dominant at the time. And like you formed like these badass super teams. And it, it's so cool for like one night, like you get to see them square off against one another. And, uh, Survivor Series again, yeah, you used to have all these teams like together once. Some of them are enemies with each other, but they got to team up. Like, but it's cool to see them. They're on the same team. Like that used to be fun about Survivor Series. And now it's just like, eh, it's like your modern all-star game, your modern Pro Bowl where there's just no stakes. Nothing matters. We're just happy to be here. Um, and that brings us to this year's Survivor Series. Um, the first one with fans back in attendance last year was the, the, um, retirement of the undertaker so that was what that sh- i couldn't even tell you what other matches happened on that show like, that's how forgettable survivor series has become the last couple of years um so there was that so this year we're back to you know we're still doing the brand versus brand but it's kind of just like whatever so there's uh six matches announced for this event uh the smart thing wwe has done uh at least since the start of the pandemic was their pay-per-views are not as long anymore, you know, albeit for WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Those, I think, still run a little bit above four hours. But WrestleMania has been split into two days now. So three-and-a-half-hour WrestleManias on two nights is more doable than a seven-hour long show. SummerSlam, it's the biggest event of the summer, as they say. It's the biggest event of August. It'll be in July next year, so that's going to be awesome. I'm okay with that being four hours. This show should be no longer than three hours, three and a half at max, depending on how how long they give these Survivor Series matches. So there's two of them. Let's talk about the first one. It's going to be Team Raw, and that consists of Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, and Austin Theory. And this wasn't the original team announced. So they announced this match on social media. Like, it wasn't even built through a series of matches, people qualifying, you know, whatever storylines going on. It was just announced on social media. This is the match. And this came about a week and a half ago before the actual event. So there's been like literally no build to it. Like there's conflict within some of these characters, but nothing as it pertains to what's going on in the actual match. So that's weird. So originally the team was, so Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, uh, they were announced. And the other two were replacements. So originally it was Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic. And they made a little storyline out of that and replaced them with Bobby Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. And that's cool and all, but then why announce that in the first place? Why not just do like lead-up matches into it? Like that would be more interesting. And you can still add in the authority figure of Adam Pearce, you know, getting in the way or trying to start shit with the Mysterios. Because that's what it looks like where it's going. But it has nothing to do with this match anymore. So that's weird. And they're going to be facing off against Team SmackDown, which consists of Drew McIntyre, Jeff Hardy, King Woods, that's Xavier Woods for those of you that don't follow what's going on, Happy Corbin, and a to-be-announced person. And again, another replacement that was made after they announced the original five. The original fifth member of Team SmackDown was Sami Zayn, but they took him out of a match after he lost. So I don't know who's going to be that fifth spot. Maybe it's somebody returning. I can't think of anybody that's been gone right now from WWE that would fill that spot. I don't know if they're going to leave it as a surprise thing or if they'll... uh, I'm recording this before SmackDown airs on Friday, so maybe they'll announce the replacement there. 
This should be awesome, right? It's got Rollins, Balor, Owens. I like those guys. Rollins, hit or miss for me. SmackDown, like I'm a, I'm a Raw guy. I mean, I, there's more guys that I like on on, the, on that team, so I'd probably go for them. Again, they've given me no reason to care about this match. So, like, whoever wins, it doesn't mean anything to me. Like, I could say, like, oh, man, I really want Team Raw to win just to show. Like, it used to be like that when they started the brand split and all that stuff. Even back in, like, 2016, 2017, when they redid the brand split, it was like, oh, man, I'm pulling for, like, Team SmackDown, whatever, because they're the underdogs. Um, I just have no vested interest in this. And it's not me trying to be a hater or saying I don't care. Like, I've been watching the television shows. There's been no build to this. It, they're, they're building up storylines that are dealing with stuff that's going on outside of Survivor Series. But there's nothing, there wasn't even like a, an in-ring segment where they could have done easily where like Seth Rollins could be like, he's a douchebag heel and be like, I'm gonna lead this team and y'all are gonna follow my lead and, you know, the, the, the good guys can roll their eyes or whatever and get into conflict there. But at least that would pertain to the Survivor Series. They've done none of that. So absolutely, I do not care who wins this match, but I guess for the sake of doing a prediction show, I'm just going to go ahead and say that um, Team Raw wins this one. Like They got to build up. Uh, they have the bigger stars, and I can see Seth Rollins taking this one. He's got a WWE Championship match down the line, so they got to prop him up. You know, SmackDown, it doesn't matter. Like These guys, like Drew McIntyre is going to get a championship match regardless, but he can lose here and it won't hurt him. But again, not like it matters. So, I it's weird me predicting this show and analyzing it when there's just no soul behind it. You know what I mean? So let's move on to the next Survivor Series match that's going to happen here. Again, Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. This is the the women's division. So for Team Raw, you got Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Queen Zelina versus, and they haven't broken up that team. I'm shocked, and they haven't replaced players on that team. That's team has stayed intact. Versus Team SmackDown, Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, Natalia, and again, no, no originality, no creativity here. They did the same thing that they did with the men's SmackDown team, is that they had somebody on the team, and now they're not on it anymore. So. Originally on the team announced was uh, Aaliyah, a new up-and-comer. She's from NXT. Uh, don't know that much about her. Can't make a critique on her. But, you know, she was getting some buzz, you know, with a victory and, and doing some stuff. Like, fans were cheering for her. Cool. Let her have this spot in Survivor Series. This past Friday on SmackDown, uh, one of the authority figures played by Sonya Deville just says, like, nah, you're not going to be in this match anymore. And, again, they're... Kind of doing the similar thing like what Adam Pierce did with the Mysterios, although he made them compete in the match and got them like hurt, hurt or injured or whatever, and then replaced them. Here, she just takes her out of the match, like with no explanation, nothing. Now you're out of the match, and like they make her look like a geek because she's just there, like what, like what did I do? Like I just wanted to be a part of the Survivor Series team, and it's like, dude, you have the chance to to create a new star here, or at least get some buzz going for somebody that's not, you know. Any of these other women that we've seen plenty of times, like Aaliyah's like somebody new. Let's let's showcase that. Nah, you're out of the match. <laughs> what? Um, if I have to pick a winner here, I guess I, I can see Raw and SmackDown splitting here, so I can see Team SmackDown pulling it out. 
but you know all the storylines going on with the, the members on team raw again it's with stuff going on outside of survivor series so bianca belair is in a feud with a, a character named dewdrop she's not in this match but they're feuding which is weird but it's like you're trying to build to survivor series but you're focusing on that i'm cool with that planting the seeds but wait to do the feud after survivor series build up about wanting to beat team smackdown um Rhea Ripley's in this match. She's good. She has her tag team partner, Nikki A.S.H. Who's the the other half of the tag team champions? Why is she not in this match with Rhea Ripley? That doesn't make any sense. Liv Morgan, I like her. She's got a championship opportunity against Becky Lynch. They've been building that. But again, that has nothing to do with Survivor Series. That's for stuff afterwards. So, okay. And then you got Carmella and Queen Zelina, whatever. You got to fill those slots where's Asuka I mean shit she would be a tremendous asset to team raw uh where's Tony Storm for team Smackdown she may end up being the fifth person who knows but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet my paycheck on it so I'm gonna give team Smackdown the win here but again there's no soul to this there's no build-up or any reason why I should care these teams are fighting there's just no reason for it. Whatever. Let's move on. Uh, I Actually, I should talk about this match last, so I'll, I'll skip that one. Next up is Big E, the WWE champion for Monday Night Raw, versus Roman Reigns, the Universal champion for SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown. On paper, this looks awesome, right? Like, this should have a nice little feud to it. Nah, let's wait until the last episode of Raw this past week. The go-home show for Survivor Series to start building up something and having them interact. And it wasn't even like Roman Reigns appearing on Raw or anything. Like It was it was Big E fighting with Roman Reigns' cousins. Like That's the setup to the match. No interaction. No promos against one another. Have Big E show up on, on SmackDown to confront Roman Reigns. None of that. We're just supposed to... Look at it on paper, and just because it's WWE, we're supposed to be like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And the match may end up being good, but you also want to care about it. There's got to be substance to it. There's got to be, you got to want to care about what's going on. And there's nothing to care about this match other than it's two champions fighting, but that's it. And I'll pick a winner, and it seems like WWE is doing whatever it can to just make Roman Reigns the most unstoppable thing ever. Like, there's nobody that can beat him. Like, And at this point... It wouldn't shock me if Roman Reigns becomes like Hulk Hogan where he's just like the champion for so many years and he just never gets beat. And he's a villain. like. But that's who they're pushing as their biggest star. And he's a heel. But again, it doesn't matter in WWE whether you're a good guy or bad guy. Like They'll push you regardless. Like Becky Lynch, they're trying to promote as this heel. But yeah, she still comes out and gets cheered. And she even plays to the crowd too, which is weird. So I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. But, like, Roman Reigns here should get the win. Like, I don't see them giving Big E a big win like this. Like, it could be out of nowhere, right, in terms of, like, betting odds and all that stuff. I know they, they, they're they starting to do more of that stuff now. So WWE could flip the script here and get have Roman Reigns get pinned. But this is the one guy, like, that they just don't let anybody happen to. Like, and it's incredible. Like, it's kind of like it's becoming stale, too, because it's like, who... Who on this roster can beat this guy? 
And it's like, will it even matter? Like they had a good opportunity. They had a good storyline going with, uh, with Edge and Daniel Bryan for, for Mania and all that stuff. Somebody could have done it there, but they just chose to continue on with Roman Reigns. And even Brock Lesnar's come into the picture and he already lost to Roman Reigns. So, and Brock Lesnar's like the biggest guy you can get, you know, other than, you know, succumbing Stone Cold Steve Austin out of retirement. Like, who is there to beat Roman Reigns? I don't say Goldberg. I don't want any, him anywhere near this. And even then, it wouldn't matter. Like, I wouldn't care about Goldberg beating Reigns. Like, that does nothing to push the future. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't like Big E in this spot, even though that's somebody new in that spotlight for the main events uh, picture scene. Like, I'll at least give them that. But he's going to lose on Sunday, and they're just going to... I hope this is not the main event. I hope the match that I'm going to talk about later is going to be the main event because there's a lot of interesting stuff there. But if this if this is the main event and it ends with Roman Reigns standing tall, it's like, oh, we get it. But what's the point? Like, why are you not building up a hero to take this guy down? Like, that that's the difference. AEW is at least creating people on roads to eventually challenge for a championship and not only challenge for a championship but challenge for a championship where you you'll care aw did this long storyline with a guy named adam hangman page who's not a huge star i mean at least in, in terms of mainstream but if you watch that show that's a guy that slowly ascended to the top and now he's the world champion and everybody cares because they were invested in a storyline that took time to build and they paid it off and he defeated the villain. That's that's simple wrestling storytelling. And WWE can't do that anymore. So yeah, Roman Reigns wins. And it's just Roman Reigns. Same thing. Nothing interesting about it. Like the character was, you know, intriguing to me for a while. But now it's stale. It's nothing. There's nothing leading to it. If you don't have... A villain is only as good as the hero that's trying to stop him. And vice versa, right? Uh, a baby face champion or good guy is only as good as the, the evil that he's fighting, right? It's just basic storytelling. And that's where WWE's really lost itself. I'm really selling you on trying to watch Survivor Series on Sunday, right? I mean, she's, um, all right. Next up, tag team champions versus champions match. RK Bro, Randy Orton, and Riddle, the Raw Tag Team Champions, to face off against the Usos, Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso, who I just mentioned before, are the ones that were feuding with Big E on behalf of Roman Reigns. They're the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They finally did something on Raw with them. They at least fought in a match, so there was like some teases there, some build up. But again, this all happened just this past week. They didn't build up to it for weeks. This match could have been a little bit more special had they hyped it up. Have the stars cross over on brands for a little bit and, uh, you know, build it up. Now, WWE has done a pretty okay job with Randy Orton and, and Riddle as these complete opposites attract buddy cop team. You know, that's, that's always fun. And if this ends up leading to where I think it's leading to and one of them turning on the other, um, then that, that'll lead into Mania and that. That'll probably be the best story WWE has done. Even though it's kind of been just there. They're not really in a lot of interesting feuds. 
you know, they've been fighting with AJ Styles now for months, it seems like, and it still like it never ends and it's still going. But as far as who's going to win this match, um, I think they want to build up the momentum of Randy Orton and Riddle and RK Bro. They've been pretty protected and they've gotten the wins and all that stuff. Um, you know, the Usos don't lose anything because they're still attached to Roman Reigns. They're still in the main event scene. They're, they're, st- they're, they're, their spot on the roster doesn't change after losing a match like this. So this should go to RK bro. And I'm going to go with them. Next is a match that was just announced on Monday night raw. And I could give two shits about because again, there's nothing to this match other than their two mid card champions on two different shows. Now, AEW on the other hand has a second championship for their men's roster and it doesn't feel like a mid card. Like they just had it main event the show yesterday, and it felt big because they promoted it and they treated it as such. Here, these are just guys that carry props, and like the belts don't mean anything. Like Damian Priest, I like him, but I forgot he was the United States champion. Shinsuke Nakamura, like I've never been high on him, and he's been the Intercontinental champion for it seems like forever now. But like you never see him defending the title, you never see him in any feuds for it. Unless we're getting close to Mania or whatever. And they all of a sudden decide that he's going to be in a feud. But these are just two guys that are going to fight each other. Two baby faces, I guess. Even though they're showing Damian Priest having like this kind of mean streak. But for the most part, he's still a baby face. So two baby faces. uh, It'll work sometimes. But then there are times it'll backfire. And then the crowd will just be dead and won't know who to cheer for. I think that's what you're going to be looking at in this match. The wrestling could be hit or miss, you know, but I don't give two shits about this match. This is probably the one I care about the least. But if I guess I got to pick a winner, uh, I'm going to go with Damian Priest. Shinsuke Nakamura already had his time in the main event scene, and, you know, they they totally didn't believe in him. I've never been a fan of his, but, you know, get him outside of WWE. Maybe he can do something. You know, we saw him in New Japan. Would he fit in AEW? Possibly. They could make it work, right? Because they'll they'll at least try over there with him. And then finally we come to what I hope is the main event of the show. And what has been the most interesting... Uh, I wouldn't say build-up, but there's stuff that has happened in the last couple of weeks. And specifically also on social media that has made this match like more important than it probably would if it was just announced as a whatever match it's becky lynch the raw women's champion versus charlotte flair the smackdown women's champion now they just did this brand split or the the redraft or whatever uh a couple of weeks ago in october and charlotte was on raw and she was the raw women's champion smackdown becky had returned at SummerSlam and won the smackdown women's championship but they both got drafted to the other show so WWE, for some reason, did this stupid thing where they were just going to swap the belts, right? Like, they, they weren't going to fight to, you know, determine an undisputed champion or whatever. They could have done that. That would have been better. Uh, and just have the champion cross both shows. That's just my opinion on those championship belts. Like, if you're going to do the brand split, at least do it the way when they originally did the brand split where they had one main world champion and he would jump from show to show in different storylines. I actually like that. That was awesome. Because then you have the other show, if they're not dealing with the world title picture, you can focus on other storylines and build up other stars. That's how I think the brand split should really work. But instead you have all these belts, right, and everything gets confusing. 
So they did this last year, right, when the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, I think it was like the New Day and uh, the Street Profits, I think. And they had swapped shows. And all they did was, hey, guys, you take these belts and we'll take the other ones and la-da-da, and that's it. And I thought that was so stupid, but whatever. Like, they got it done. And, like, at least at least we found a way for why those belts got switched to the other shows. So when they got drafted, it was like, okay, cool. Like, Becky's the Raw, cha- the SmackDown champion going to Raw. Charlotte's the Raw champion going into SmackDown. How are they going to do this? We know Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair have, or at least at one point, used to be, like, really good best friends. They did a lot of stuff together. They traveled on the road together. You know, if you if you look on YouTube and stuff and just search like Becky Lynch and Charlotte like backstage or on the on the road or whatever, there's a lot of stuff with them and there's stuff on the network too that you can catch. And there's you know they had a, a nice good friendship you know built on you know just having a lot of fun. And but Charlotte was always the one you know with the spotlight was always in the she's she was always in the main event scene of the women's division from the get go. Right, like Becky Lynch had to work her way. And there was a point during that buildup where fans got tired of seeing Becky Lynch, like, you know, get short-sighted, you know, and not be involved in big-time matches and all that stuff. And then it finally came to a head at SummerSlam, I think it was 2017, where she turned on Charlotte and it was supposed to make Becky Lynch like a heel. But the fans just revolted and, like, were like, hell yeah, Becky, like, get her, like, get her. Like, it's time for your moment. It's time for your for your shot your your spotlight to be brightened even more let's make you a main event player and this thing just exploded into like the best thing WWE has done since and it was with a female right like we had never seen this before like she was more popular than the men it was getting more notoriety and it all led up to like the first women's main event in WrestleMania history and Becky Lynch was at the forefront of it even though Charlotte was there but Becky Lynch was the one with all the momentum and everything on her side. And I think ever since that ascend of her, their friendship has never been the same. And I think, of course, this is what I read backstage. And, you know, there's this neat interview with Becky Lynch where she's she actually highlights that herself. Like, I know she may be speaking in storyline, but there's a lot of it feels like realness there. But that's the brilliance of professional wrestling is that you can blend in the reality with what's real and what's storyline. That's when it's great. And that's what I think is going on here. Like they're blending in both and it's making it very intriguing because let, let's circle back to what it was that, that led to this and why this match is interesting. And so they did that belt swap thing on, on SmackDown. And apparently there was something that was supposed to happen and Charlotte Flair didn't want to follow through with that. So she ended up going rogue and did her own thing. Well, that pissed off Becky Lynch and they got into a heated verbal exchange uh, in the back. And Becky Lynch has become like a big star where she's not like just going to sit back and take it. So she stood up to her, stood up for like the locker room and just for the integrity of the business and stuck it to Charlotte Flair. And Charlotte looked really bad in the situation. But now like there's been like this back and forth stuff in the promos on TV, but then the stuff that we're seeing on social media. So before the Becky Lynch interview came out on social media, Charlotte Flair did one and was like, I'm not apologizing for like who I am and wanting to stay on top and all this stuff. And I don't know. It's just, there's this realness to it. And again, that's what makes wrestling great. Now they could all be working us. This could be Becky and Charlotte being like, Hey, like, what if we, what if we made this rivalry like for real? Like we make people think it's like we hate each other. 
that's again that's when wrestling is at its best and unfortunately right now with wwe and the book the world that they're in like this could be like a really really hot feud but with the way everything's clouded and how messy and how nonsensical all of this build to survivor or non-build to survivor series is like this match may end up just being nothing but me as a like a diehard fan that watches everything like i'm very intrigued with what's going to happen this in this match it's got very Shawn michaels versus bret hart vibes or like you got they they're great performers when they're in the ring together but you also knew there was like tensions between them like they didn't like each other and of course we all know what happened in 1997 and you know that turned into like a real real thing in the outcome of that match i don't think that's going to happen here but the fact that that's crossed my mind it's like what if what if something goes down in this match what if becky takes a real shot at charlotte or charlotte takes a real shot at becky what if this thing spirals and it gets out of hand? Like, all of a sudden, if something like that were to happen at Survivor Series, like, it, it becomes the most talked about thing. And that's an easy thing that WWE can hook everybody on and everybody will talk about. ESPN will talk about it. It'll be on the mainstream media because that's what WWE has currently on its side is all the media coverage. It will get talked about for sure. So maybe every once in a while... Vince has something up his sleeve and be like, we're going to give him something to talk about after Sunday. That's why I'm hoping this match main events, like where something controversial happens where wink, wink, it's real, but also like it may not be like storyline. This may be the, the real deal. I don't know. That's intriguing to me, but that's the only thing with any type of little substance and makes me care because I love Becky Lynch. I want to see her win. But I also want to see, like, how is Charlotte Flair going to react to this? Who who really is going to win this match? These are two people that want to be at the top. This is like Rock Austin. Like, Rock and Austin didn't hate each other, but they were competitive with each other. They didn't want the other to be in the top spot. So I believe that's real. So I'm very curious as to how this match is going to end. Now WWE can do the stupid thing and they'll have, like, a double disqualification or whatever. And nobody comes out truly victorious, but... What if, what if someone decides to go off script? What if we have a Becky Lynch putting Charlotte in the figure four and Vince comes out and calls for the bell? You know, like, I'm not saying exactly that, but, you know, what if? And that's what makes pro wrestling great. And that's why I can at least talk about the Survivor Series on this show and kind of like be like, hmm, there's something you should tune into on Sunday. And that's the exact reason why. Everything else, whatever. But Becky Lynch and Charlotte is must-see for me. Like, I want to see that. And it hasn't been the perfect build, but there's at least something that happened to make me care about this match. Because if not, it would just be like everything else on this card. It would just be nothing. So I cannot wait to watch this match on Sunday. Everything else, eh. This, I want to see. I'm excited to see what, what what goes down in that match. And that is Survivor Series 2021. Again, that airs Sunday night from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, $4.99 on Peacock. Again, it's super cheap. You don't have to... AEW had full gear last week, but you had to pay $50, $60 if you want to watch it on pay-per-view. Or it was playing at a couple of movie theaters. You would have paid 20 bucks, and I think that's a steal. I hope our company continues to do that for AEW events because I will make sure to 
to request off on my calendar so I can make it to those events because AEW is putting on stuff where I want to see every pay-per-view. I want like all the stories are making me invested. If WWE was still doing that, I don't know if I would pay to watch Survivor Series. I'd probably, you know, be on the internet. What's going on with Becky Lynch and the Charlotte match? I don't think I would drop 60 bucks for this, even though I'm very interested in that one match. It, it, it's not enough. It would not be enough. So four ninety nine, it's a cheeseburger. That's like, that's plenty to get me to buy uh, Peacock or right now I'm still streaming it because Saved by the Bell season two is coming up. So the new the new version. Uh, so that's why I saw Peacock. But I will be watching that match with a lot of intrigue and interest. I don't think they're going to announce any other matches. I don't, I don't think they're going to try to make this a long event. So again, three three and a half hours is what I'm expecting. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, we'll see. What if, right, folks? What if? That's the best part of pro wrestling when it blurs everything together. Uh, let's take one final break. When we come back, uh, I'm going to talk about what's what's upcoming next week. Stick around. This is Pals off the top rope. I found it in my living room. Oh. Your grandfather was a Ghostbuster. Somehow, a town with no fault line is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. This isn't a temple, it's a gateway. What did we let out? The whole city? It's like the walking dead. Are you sure this is safe? <laughs> no. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Exclusively in theaters. Welcome back to the show. And Ghostbusters Afterlife is in theaters this Friday. So a look ahead of what's to come on this podcast. So next week at some point, I'm going to try to catch Ghostbusters Afterlife. And this leads right into Thanksgiving. So I'll have House of Gucci. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch that. Maybe I'll try to knock out two reviews in one for an episode. Um, my 90s Films Turn 30 series returns next week. Uh, with a double feature of Beauty and the Beast and Cape Fear. What an amazing double feature that is. Um, so I'm going to be doing that. That show will return. I've got the SM Football Marks, which is going on strongly. Uh, much thanks to Abraham Trevino helping me out on that. So that show's going full throttle regardless. So we've been consistent on that. I need to get more consistent on watching my stuff as it releases and, and getting you out a review uh, for the show so yeah that's what's upcoming and then we're gonna get close to spider-man and matrix in december those are the two biggest movies uh probably for the rest of the year and i'm planning to do something for the matrix with uh paco torres or frank torres um he was on this show about a year or two ago when the niners were were heading to the super bowl and I had him on and he's a huge matrix fan so I'm going to have him back on and we're going to talk about this as we re-enter the Matrix for this interesting fourth chapter that's coming. So uh, don't really know what to expect from it other than let's just see what happens. Like there's no expectations, at least on my end. I just hope for a good movie. Maybe it's a one-off. I don't know if it's trying to start something new. We'll see. Uh, and then, of course, Spider-Man. I got a lot of stuff planned on episodes that I want to do. I, I need to get Brandon McLaughlin involved. That'll probably be the actual review of the movie itself. Um, I want to look back on the past Spider-Mans and the soundtracks. I, I got some stuff with uh, some guests that have been wanting to come on, and, and we're working something out there. 
So that's what's to come, and that's what you can expect as we close out the year. And then, of course, I'll get on track to finish my my 90s series for 1991 as we celebrate the 30-year anniversary of that year in movies. Uh, and I got a couple of movies lined up and a couple of guests who I want to get. I don't know if I'll secure them, but who I want for some of these uh, episodes. And as I teased earlier, I did catch this past week the Rocky Four Ultimate Director's Cut, Rocky versus Drago. And I'm waiting on Daniel Tucker to uh, to do that episode, and we're going to go full-on depth in that, and we'll, you'll get our full analysis on that. So never to fear, Rocky fans, so that that's coming soon. But that's going to do it for this episode. Again, I think this was such a downer episode, right, even though I feel like I talked about all this stuff confidently. Eternals was disappointing, but if you liked it, good for you. Didn't work for me. Survivor Series is on Sunday. I've got one match that I'm really looking forward to, and other than that, it's all whatever because there's no build and, and no soul to it. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully y'all will enjoy Eternals or go out to see it. If you, this probably didn't convince you, but it's Marvel. I think you're going to go see it regardless of the fact. And then Survivor Series, that's hit or miss. So. If you're a diehard wrestling fan, you're going to watch it. If you're a casual fan, if you're listening to this, you're probably going to skip it. So don't blame me there. You can find this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I would greatly appreciate it. I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. They have an app there. You can listen to all my past episodes on that app. Or if you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to Palace Off the Top Rope. All of my past episodes will be on there as well or anywhere you get your 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 podcast. It's I'm on Amazon. I'm on iHeartRadio. So there's all these different avenues. I think Pandora too as well. But still trying to open the door and uh, working on some other stuff too. Uh, YouTube, like getting more into the video game. Not video games, but just live video or just video reviews, <clears throat> possibly making this show a visual experience as opposed to just audio. A lot of stuff in the works, a lot of stuff cooking in my brain, and we'll see. A chunk of it probably won't happen, but I'm at least striving. I've got goals, and I need to get better at hitting them. So, But that's going to do it. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. All right, guys, take care. God bless you.